thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And thank you for um, just letting us have that little break there as well. Uh, It's been funny. I've had lots of women, particularly this week, who I've um, seen in the practice saying, "Um, don't you guys have some more podcasts to release? So obviously everyone is up to date now. We've given you some time to go back and listen to the episodes that uh, you may have missed. Um, But everyone is up to date. So it's about time that we got back to it. Oh, and I've actually missed you guys. Like I've, I've missed talking to you, Andrew, and I've oh, missed this, me um, too. you know, I guess the, the connection actually doing this podcast with someone else because otherwise it just feels like I'm talking to a screen, which I could easily just read from. So. I know, and Ash, I actually can't see you. Can you turn your video on so that I um, know my beautiful face. I am? Yes, absolutely, because I haven't seen you in – it's been months because Ashley yeah. has just come back from an amazing um, European holiday with – you know, she was away for two months with her family over there. Um, Ash, how was it? Incredible. We were blessed with just, yeah, great family time, beautiful weather, yeah, lovely locations. Um, for anyone who hasn't travelled through these parts of Europe, I'm going to highly recommend Austria and Slovenia. We spent most of our time there and absolutely loved it. Um, we've been there before, but this is just so nice to slow down with the kids and, um, yeah, just, just get amongst the mountains. We did a lot of hiking, a lot of sort of altitude walks. It's just beautiful. And I think any parent listening knows the same thing, that it's a holiday, but um, you're still just parenting in a different location. So it wasn't without its challenges. <laughs> um, and 
Ash, uh, I spoke to you while you're over there and you were just loving the simplicity of being on the road. Um, and you mentioned that you were going to like Marie Kondo your entire house when you got home. Um, have you resisted the urge to do that or have you followed through? I've done a pretty good job of it, actually. I came home and straight away got a few things out the door that I'd been looking at thinking, ah, oh, I'm just sick of seeing that. So, um, yes, I, I did, but it um, reminds me of this book that my son has and I'm butchering it a bit, but I think it's by Julia Donaldson. And basically it's like um, this lady, there was an old lady who lived in a house and it was too small for her. So an old man told her to put in, you know, an animal and in with the goat and in with the cow. And by the end of it, she's like, oh, it's too small and throws them all out. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, my, my, my place is enormous. And it's kind of exactly how I felt. We, we spent five weeks in a, a motor home and I got home and I was like, oh my goodness, it's like a palace. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, did it make you realize what you could live without though? Oh, absolutely. I think, you you know, you always can, but at the same time, there are some uh, benefits to when you're holidaying, you need less because there's no major life demands on you. But when you come into normal routine of life, you like you do have stuff, you need things for school and you need things for work. And um, the reality is you do have lots of different variables uh, that you probably only use once or twice a year. But if you don't have them, you kind of end up filling the house with those things anyway. So, um, yeah, I think I'll just reduce a bit of the kids' art and craft stuff. I'm looking around going, they've got a lot of art and craft stuff. (laughs) Yep, fair enough. Um, Oh, that's amazing. Well, I can't wait to see you in person and hear more about that. But um, we actually have got an episode um, tonight to talk about a slightly different topic um, with you all. And we're normally focusing on women's health and occasionally we'll sort of, uh, you know, dust in there a little bit of some men's health things. We've talked about male fertility and prostate health. But tonight we wanted to talk about a really important transition in men's health. Um, And that is uh, something called andropause. And, uh, Ash, I think you were saying before, like, you know, everyone's heard of menopause, right? Everybody knows what menopause is. Um, We're absolutely acknowledging that the perimenopausal transition and that window for women is a very significant part of, um, you know, the transitionary time for women and women's health. Um, But men also have something that is just as important, but just not as dramatic that is often really overlooked. Um, And while our health is marked by such significant transitions, you know, from say the onset of like our first puberty uh, or our first um, period during puberty, then we go through the fertile years. And again, like perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause, we know those are happening because they're so dramatic and obvious. Um, But men will go into obviously puberty and they'll go through that maturation, but then there aren't any really specific markers that we look at to determine if men are aging hormonally and in a I guess, a healthy way. And I think it's really important that we actually do focus on this for men because it's happening in men who are much younger now and in parallel to the decline in, you know, sperm rates worldwide and also the decline in male fertility as well. And I think that's, um, you know, like you were saying, it's it's relevant. It's just that a lot of people don't know it's relevant. Um, I've always sort of smiled because I think a lot of us mistake men as just grumpy old guys or just having, you know, um, they're just grumpy. And yet I think a lot of the times we're overlooking these symptoms of potentially low testosterone or this, this andropause um, phase of a man's life. And 
it's so easy to just dismiss those things like most women's health issues right it's there's so many generic symptoms that they often get missed or Mm -hmm. overlooked yeah exactly um and if you have got a you know maybe a husband a partner or um there are men in your life who are in maybe their mid to late 30s or in their 40s and you're noticing that they are starting to put on weight, um, particularly in sort of feminizing areas. So this could be around the midsection. They might be all of a sudden developing like, you know, muffin tops that they've never had before. (laughs) Or you might notice that they are losing some muscle mass in their legs as well, for example, whereas they might have previously always had really strong um, thighs and quads and glutes and everything else. But you're just noticing that that body composition is changing a little bit, or maybe they're getting that sort of, um, I guess, the dad bod. (laughs) Um, So some of these changes are actually related to this this decline in testosterone, which dramatically affects their body composition um, and changes that hormonal balance that they have. But with that, we'll also change a whole bunch of other really important health factors for them as well. And we'll go through some of those in a moment. And even though most of these um, sort of symptoms or or concerns are generally related to ageing, much like women, you know, related to our ages and stages, they're strongly influenced by some of the other factors that can trigger andropause. And these are things like stress, alcohol consumption, um, there's definitely certain medications, uh, you know, being overweight, obese, infections, and there's also things like the elevation of the level of um, sex hormone binding globulins. So it's not as simple as just alcohol. If you get to this age, this is going to happen. There's certainly things that men can do to protect their testosterone production and uh, maintain healthy testosterone levels um, for as long as they can. And if we consider all of those things that we can do, just like with women and menopause, there's so many things that that are possible. One of the things I've always found really interesting is how menopause and andropause, there's a lot of symptoms that cross over. There's a lot of things that are quite common to both. And some of those key things, you know, women will nod their heads and go, oh, yeah, that too, that too. Um, Mood swings, depression, Mm -hmm. headaches, night sweats, insomnia, weight gain, and loss of bone density. So, you know, those things are key signs in women, but also in men. So these are this one thing that's so generic, it can often be overlooked. Um, And of course, in men, there's other factors. They might experience things like lower energy, loss of muscle, like you explained, particularly in those Mm -hmm. the legs and the lower body. having absolutely, you know, clear signs like mild to moderate erectile dysfunction, mm. um, morning erections. These are the, these are signs that there's a reduction in testosterone, and of course, you know, low energy, lack of focus. Sorry, Ash, do you mean the the absence of morning erections? Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these again are signs of a change in the hormone levels and hormone production in that man. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, while men's testosterone levels will decline, you know, with age, um, and while men are technically capable of making sperm throughout their life, uh, you might have heard in the news um, recently that, was it Robert De Niro who has just fathered, yeah, <laughs> fathered a child to his 20-something-year-old girlfriend and he is in his late 70s, Um I was going to ask you about that. I was was wondering about the health and quality of sperm in that age group. Is that, uh, you know, possible or is that being uh, augmented by, for example, um, you know, uh, hormone replacement therapy, just like women experience? 
Well, look, I haven't I haven't looked into his um, particular situation to see um, whether or not there was some sort of assisted reproductive stuff that went on there. But for men, there is a significant and rapid decline in particularly um, sperm quality after the age of about 46. So, um, you know, with Robert De Niro having 30 plus years on that at least, um, I would be very surprised if he actually had um, viable sperm. Um, it's mm. really, really, it would be sort of unusual. However, his partner is in her, I think, uh, I think she's 24. Man, I could totally be getting this wrong. Um, so anyone who's up on recent pop culture might be um, correcting me on this, but I'm fairly sure she's in her early 20s, early to mid 20s, um, which is the optimal um, age for, you know, a fertility peak for a woman, which means that even if there was some uh, very, very average um, sperm there there could be an overcompensation just because of the health of, of her eggs possibly. Mm. Um, the other factor is that Robert De Niro is probably, um, you know, has got a whole host of doctors and, um, you know, is probably doing lots of um, very impressive longevity things because he has the means to do so. And I would be very surprised if he wasn't on some sort of testosterone replacement as well. Um, and I remember going to a seminar um, oh, maybe five years ago, and there was a um, men's health expert there from Brazil um, talking about how all men over 40 should be supplementing with testosterone, so using injectable testosterone or, or something of the likes. And I just thought that that was just crazy, like all men should be using testosterone. And that was because he was so passionate about this idea of andropause and how significant it is for men's health. Because, you know, testosterone levels will decline. Um, it, you know, according to the research, it says about 1% per year after about the age of 40. And that doesn't really sound that significant unless there those levels are already low to begin with or there's other mechanisms in place that will make it fall more dramatically. So, for example, some of those mechanisms might be like a new baby in the house, um, and this is happening for men later and later in life. So they they may get that sudden shift then as well. It can be acute and chronic stress that is making that sudden um, sort of reduction in testosterone. Or it could also just be the fact that um, what I'm in particular seeing in men recently is that so many of them have got very subpar or low testosterone levels. And like I said earlier, that decline is in parallel with seeing this rise in male infertility because, you know, sperm levels worldwide are dropping, but because of our current diet and lifestyles, it's not conducive for men's health or proper hormonal balance. So exactly the same as what it is um, for women as well. Um, there's, there's some uh, sources that estimate that about 25% of men have low levels of testosterone. Um, so that's about a quarter of men have low testosterone, which I think is significant. Um, and I also think that's underestimated. But often this goes unnoticed because the symptoms of low testosterone can be a little bit vague as well, sort of what you mentioned before, Ash. And it could go in ebbs and flows of maybe they're just feeling a bit stressed at the time and they'd be putting you know, their sort of lack of interest in sex or their low libido and their mood changes down to the fact that they're under a lot of pressure, for example. And I think, you know, a lot of people say, well, then how do you figure it out? Because those symptoms sound pretty common and my, my husband has a few of those and my dad has a few more of those. So 
how would you know? Because symptoms alone obviously are somewhat diagnostic, but we need to sort of have a criteria, don't we, to help identify when uh, that becomes a problem and whether we, you know, in, we create a plan of action to help improve the outcomes. So, you know, are we looking to supplement with testosterone or are we looking to say, hey, look, this is an indicator of a decrease and now we need to look at some protective lifestyle factors? Um I find that a lot of men have never had their hormones tested. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or not tested properly either. Mm, mm. And so the symptoms specifically um, that they you can be looking for in your significant others or, you know, in your male friends as well, and it's this pattern of, and these are all the things that are associated with this andropause or what is um, more technically called late-onset hypogonadism, Um so this is a decreased libido, mood changes, reduced cognitive function, fatigue, depression, and anger, um, a decrease in muscle mass and strength or difficulty maintaining muscle mass, a decrease in body hair, skin changes, decreased bone mass and bone mineral density, an increase in abdominal fat mass, as well as associated sexual dysfunction, which might be um, a diminished erectile quality, particularly at night. Um, but there could also be other associated sort of metabolic and cardiovascular diseases as well. So, you know, insulin resistance, elevated um, insulin, elevated fasting glucose, maybe some the start of things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, those sorts of things that go with that, that cardiovascular dysfunction too. And the reason that those symptoms come up when testosterone is low is because testosterone is involved with you know, libido cognition. It has an anti-inflammatory role for men. It's pain protective for men. Um, it's protective for the cardiovascular system and it also produces red blood cells. Um, it maintains that muscle mass. It's essential for their metabolism and everything else. So, um, and you know, that's a very, very short list of, of all the different far-reaching things that testosterone does in men. So as it declines, you can see why those symptoms would be popping up as well. So... How, I guess, um, Ash, we should probably talk about like if some of these things are going on and they want to test it, what would that look like? Um, and what would be the first sort of go-to, I guess? Well, I think that, you know, obviously chatting to your doctor is the first place to start in looking at um, getting some testing done on what they call serum testosterone levels to see if there's any decreases. Um I think this is also a bit like women's health. You know, often if you go there, that just the very uh, conventional tests are done. But it's important to assess things like free testosterone as opposed mm-hmm. to just baseline testosterone markers. And a lot of the tests that you know women have talked about, mostly <laughs> mostly I'm talking to women about their husbands. Um, they're asking, you know, well, they, they said everything's fine. They said it's all normal, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't seem normal or he's not okay or, you know, and they're starting to look at counselling and all these other things, usually because it's right into mental health or just, you know, um, decline in in uh, enthusiasm, you know, just like that that spark of life seems to be diminishing and they're, they're worried, thinking obviously the mental health is the driving force. But, you know, often it's the underlying hormonal issue that's the driver of the mental health changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which also means that their coping mechanisms are so compromised as well. And this is where alcohol use, you know, escapism through anything that alters, you know, re- reasonable um, choices, and that can be drugs, alcohol, uh, and any other addictive behaviours, really. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and the the kind of panel that I think would be ideal for men if they are, you know, wanting to do a thorough check of their hormones, and I would certainly re- recommend serum testing, like you mentioned, Ash. Um, I don't think there's a role for saliva testing here. And that would be a full androgen panel, which would include free and total testosterone. We don't want to see just um, total testosterone, which is the pr- already bound testosterone. We also need to be looking at their sex hormone binding globulin, which is essentially the um, it, the enzyme that binds um, that testosterone to put it to use, which also binds to estrogen as well. Because what I find in men who do have um, all of these symptoms of andropause, part of that is actually related to that excess sex hormone binding globulin. Um, so it means it's like essentially gobbling up and, and utilizing that testosterone, which means they've got lower Um, free testosterone available to them. We also, it would be helpful to look at their DHEA, so one of the main adrenal hormones, um, because that is the first hormone that then will convert down into testosterone. And when there's low DHEA levels, it's usually because um, the body is prioritizing making cortisol or stress hormones over that good um, sort of adrenal function that then has that overflow into the sex hormones as well. Um, I also really like testing estrogen in men as well to see if there is any excess estrogen production going on. And I'll always pair that with things like looking at their insulin levels because in men, um, insulin essentially does kind of the opposite to what it does in women. So if you listen back to um, how insulin and testosterone um, sort of interact um, in women, in men it does the opposite. So insulin will upregulate something called aromatase, which converts testosterone into estrogen in men, whereas in women it's the opposite. Um, so that then that elevated estrogen increases the sex hormone binding globulin, which then decreases the free testosterone, which increases weight gain, increases inflammation, that inflammation, that weight gain increases estrogen even more. And there's this vicious feedback loop and cycle that happens. So that's why I really like to test things like insulin and then other inflammatory markers and um, things like lipids um, or their cholesterol as well, because I think that's just a really important part of that whole picture. And that also helps to explain those feminizing um, body changes. Mm. Yep, absolutely, Um, which we see so often in men who are chronically stressed as well, right? That's the man boobs, the muffin tops, Um, you know, and also it's, it's very characteristically linked with men who um, just lose that emotional stoicism and become uh, a bit more aggressive or fragile or, um, you know, and, and again, that is part of this picture of andropause as well. So it's not just the weepy, weepy women when they hit menopause. Men, men can experience the same thing. We just don't, I guess, appreciate as a society that um, men do experience this change. I, I think there's a much stronger conversation about menopause than there is about andropause. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that um, I don't know if GPs are testing this in a way that would be meaningful to monitor it appropriately um, for men at the moment. So um, I think that maybe sometimes with a little bit of a push from um, maybe the women in their lives, uh, if some of these things are going on, then that might um, hopefully encourage some um, investigations there as well. Um, But Ash, if 
you know, for the fellas listening, if you are listening and you want to know how to sail through this with your testosterone levels sky high and feeling amazing right through to the end of your life, like possibly Robert De Niro, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what are some of the things that let's talk about, um, you know, what sort of things men can be doing to maintain good um, hormonal balance throughout their life? I think we can't go past the most obvious. And for me, number one is stress reduction. Yeah, always. And number two is adequate exercise. And when you think about our evolutionary, you know, ideas from caveman, some of the things that were most important to us was being able to regulate our stress responses. That so, you know, you you chill out, you hang around the campfire, and when you're ready for the hunt, you're all amped up and off you go, and you hunt down a wild beast, and then you bring it back, and then you you know you chill out again and celebrate with the the, the win. Same in the same concept is yeah. all of that was physical. So it took, you know, physical exertion to go and get your food, to to bring it home. So, you know, a lot of that masculinity was just a default of the lifestyle we had. Now, it didn't mean you had to be, you know, um, <laughs> in warfare because a lot of people associate testosterone with um, aggressive masculinity. Mm. It was actually just the physicality, the masculine uh, needs, the actual activities on a daily living basis that served this development of the man versus the woman in terms of what we need and why, like you said, our hormones convert in almost opposites because that's how we are designed. You know, that's what we what we need to be doing on a daily basis. So maintaining, you know, good lean muscle mass is essential to lower that body fat, which will reduce that estrogenic um, conversion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and men can definitely get away with a little bit more than what women can. Um, so and, unfair. <laughs> yeah, oh, always. And especially in terms of things like exercise, men can push themselves so much more than what we can. And they don't necessarily um, have to be at the mercy of, say, like a menstrual cycle where we would need to listen to the ebbs and flows of our body to, um, you know, and train accordingly uh, and then adapt all of our training throughout those seasons of our life. Whereas men um, and testosterone in particular respond so well to those really masculizing, um, you know, the the things that you would associate with virility, like the strong, powerful exercises, like lifting heavy weights, um, you know, chopping wood has been shown to raise testosterone, um, but it's the strong, powerful um, and consistent exercise that helps to keep that going for men. Um, so that's something that they really should be maintaining throughout their, their life really because that muscle mass is essential and really, really critical for testosterone production and keeps estrogen levels balanced. And this is where men do so well in sort of the primal movement programs, Mm. um, you know, in exercise, you know, that push, pull, um, squat, lunge, like all of these things that drive uh, what would be a normal active outdoors lifestyle. Yep. Exactly. So go climb stuff, go <laughs> go push stuff mm-hmm. over. Um, and like you said, go chop some wood. Like those activities are those key primal movements that are particularly designed for the male physiology. And that's like 
you know, sort of competition, it doesn't have to be with other people, but it can just be with themselves, mm. is part of that really good endorphin release for them, um, the good positive production of, you know, your dopamine and serotonin and everything else, um, which is only going to be amazing for their mental health state as well. I think this is why guys have flocked to things like CrossFit. Yeah. You know, it's really brought back that primal um, competitive thing. Yep, definitely. Um, Okay, so exercise is absolutely number one for men and also has that, like, wonderful stress reduction technique for them as well. Um, For men, they can also get away with food in different ways to what women can. So whereas women do not do well on things like consistent ketogenic diets or intermittent fasting um, and all sorts of other things, men can do those very well and happily without it having too much of a dramatic effect on their their hormones they can you know do carnivore if they want they can do all of those sorts of things but the things that they can't do that will really impact their hormonal production is having a diet that's high in trans fats um so you know essentially the standard american or standard australian diet where if they're having lots of you know baked goods industrial seed oils um deep fried foods uh you know think the um pizza pasta um baked goods muffins cakes um, bread, cereals, pastas, all of those sorts of things on a regular basis. Um, it's going to be raising their triglycerides. It's going to be raising their inflammatory markers. And those trans fats actually accumulate in the testes, which is going to affect testicular function and also therefore affect that feedback loop to the pituitary, which is then going to impact that um, testosterone production as well. So isn't that amazing that trans fats actually accumulate in the testes? I yeah this is the source of stuff that no one tells you about you know when we've mm-hmm. got all this packaged and processed food um and they say oh look all these um plant-based oils are good for you um you know we know differently we know that they're inflammatory and you've just highlighted a very important one for male health um so protein is is obviously king for men um I don't tend to see men doing well on a purely plant-based diet Mm. Um, and that's just from, you know, anecdotal experience in practice um, and seeing, you know, so many different hormonal profiles of men who are on, you know, essentially vegan or or purely plant-based diets. Um, So they do just tend to do better on animal protein. Um, Their hormones fare better on animal protein as well, Um, but obviously, you know, that's up to them. Um, what were you going to say, Ash? I was just, I was just smiling. Like, can you just talk about the, the dietary aspects too? And I always laugh how men have a, a co- sort of often a concept that you know more beer is more man. Um, but <laughs> reading reading you know into the understanding of say for example like hops, which is commonly used in production of beer, it's a really potent phytoestrogen, which is a plant-based estrogenic um, effect in the human body. So when it accumulates, it actually reduces testosterone activity. So all these Mm -hmm. boys out there, you know, drinking kegs, I'm like, yep, you go you because your testosterone level is being smashed by that that beer that you've got there. So um, really for me as well, consciously saying to guys, you, you have to reduce or eliminate alcohol it's not good yeah and similarly to women as they go through menopause like they just cannot get away with it anymore and you know when when guys are young and they're doing the the kegs and all of that sort of stuff Mm. they've 
Yeah, oh my, that's so disgusting. They've got the hormonal um, flexibility to get away with it at that time, similar to women in their 20s have Mm -hmm. got the, you know, liver function and everything to be able to get away with lots of big nights and everything else. Um, The more experience I have in practice, the more I realize is that alcohol is just a young person's game. Um, The older we get, the less we can tolerate it. Um, And that is consistent across the board, unfortunately. No one ever wants to hear that, but alcohol in particular absolutely raises the, um, you know, what I call the toxic levels of estrogen. Yes. Um, it is absolutely going to impact, um, you know, that hormonal balance for men, but also because of the um, contribution to the liver stress that it causes, that is also going to raise all the inflammatory markers, which then has that um, really vicious cycle of everything that we've talked about before, raised inflammation, elevated insulin, decreased testosterone, and so on and so forth. Um, So one of the key things to looking after men's health is actually really nurturing their liver. And so the easiest thing to change there is actually to decrease um, the alcohol significantly, which can be a really tricky thing for men. It can be. And you mentioned how we were just talking about how, you know, things we consume can create an estrogenic effect. Essentially, you want to avoid anything that um, is a known xenoestrogen or a phytoestrogen. Mm -hmm. Essentially, anything that mimics estrogen in the body, raising estrogen lowers your testosterone. So, guys, you have to be considering, just like women, issues regarding things like the plastics, you know, environmental plastics, um, the hormones that are consumed through unfiltered drinking water. you've really got to look at how you can reduce exposure to those estrogens. Otherwise, that is, again, going to drive up your estrogen, which is going to lower your testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so we've talked about um, stress reduction, exercise, dietary changes, which is, you know, always the key things. Um, There's there's absolutely supplementation that has been shown to increase testosterone, There's all sorts of herbs and everything else that will do a really good job of that. Um, And in some men, I am supportive of the use of supplemental testosterone um, in the form of like essentially hormone replacement therapy. Um, I do do think that it's an easier thing, again, for men to get away with and to sail through than what it is for women. Um, And there's less risks for men with that as well in certain circumstances. Um, but I think the way that they're currently administering um, like testosterone replacement therapy just doesn't really make sense biologically because usually it's a really big dose maybe once a month or once every sort of like six weeks or so, which is just not how the body produces it. Um, so it makes more sense to me from a hormonal perspective to have small little increments of it on more of a daily or every few days basis to kind of match the natural sort of ebb and flow of testosterone across the weeks and months. Um, But that's just uh, my sort of thoughts on testosterone replacement therapy and definitely um, do it under the guidance of someone who knows how how to use that properly. Yeah, and I think it's still another way of looking at this, and it's much the same discussion we have with women, and that's the idea that um, ageing gracefully. And the idea behind that is that does um, an ageing body still need as much testosterone as a young, virulent adult body, um, you know, there's less receptors, less production. So when we're, we're dumping in these replacement therapies, 
how do you know how much that body actually needs? It's part of our natural aging process. There are, you know, ages um, that we go through and much like the environment, we have seasons in our life. And so sometimes I wonder whether we're, we're fighting um, Mother Nature's very intelligent program by putting in, you know, hormone replacement, both men and women, um, that is not designed to be there. Um, there's a reason why those latex cells in the in the testes die off over time uh, and stop producing as much testosterone. So I often wonder, you know, are we defying nature? Do we need to? Is there something we should consider differently? I think that that's such a good question. And of course, yeah, Ash, I, I so agree with you. We're definitely defying nature as well, but we're also living very separately to um, how we would have been, um, you know, going back eons ago. Um, so I think in the modern world with men wanting and also with us just valuing youth so much, mm. is it any wonder that um, things like hormone replacement therapy uh, now exist um, for the <laughs> – you know, that elixir of youth, I guess. Oh, look, we could go around and have a, um, you know, <laughs> a long discussion about the pros and cons of graceful ageing. But I mm-hmm. think what what we all want uh, for the people we care about is that they feel good, that they're functioning well. And uh, to do that, some really basic changes to lifestyle could be such a powerful, powerful solution. And hopefully um, there was just some little tips there in terms of, you know, what to look out for testing, um, some things to incorporate back into their lifestyle, like some dietary changes, some do's and don'ts there that we talked about. Um, And obviously really encouraging, really good, powerful exercise for men too. That's always going to be key. So ladies, don't put up with grumpy old men in life. Make sure they they go and get their hormones tested. And, uh, you know, and if you do recognize some of those signs and symptoms and guys, if you feel as though that, you know, relates to you and, and sort of ticks a few boxes of concern that you have, then get checked, get tested and work with people like Andrea, like uh, any sort of naturopathic doctors that are working in the space of holistic healing and look for those options and alternatives to obviously the pharmacological, you know, frontline actions such as hormone replacement. Just see if you can tidy up some of the lifestyle factors um, through nutrition, diet and activity that will get you already feeling and functioning so much better. So hopefully, Mm. you know, we've shared a bit of valuable information today um there's always things that we are learning all the way so if there's any information you, you find on this topic that interests you or you think we could uh could hear from please share it with us and if you love what we're doing we'd really appreciate uh your feedback we've got some amazing uh reviews on our podcast i just had a look at a couple recently and went oh thank you really really repre- i just want to say i appreciate you guys for for taking the time mm-hmm. to write a review and just to say why you love what we do and you know how that's helping you because um a lot of people just don't have access to information that helps them think differently and sometimes the gentle approach of just learning um, and everyone has their own journey I hope that you know over the years we provide that because I feel like we are constantly learning too so you know as we learn we get to share that with you yeah Ash I've really missed um, doing this and just hanging out with you for this time um, you know on Thursday evenings when we do this and also ladies if anyone's got any advice as to how to encourage their um, husbands or partners to get to the gym more often let me know uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding oh, do you, isn't it the carrot or the rod you know you yeah, I know. what they're what they're 
their uh, motivation has to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's either got to be pain or pleasure. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also throw in some night shifts and everything else in there. And oh. I think that the desire for that um, is waning, but no, Dean's fine. Um, oh, he's a star. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of um, we, we've missed, I've missed hearing your, your babies. Your, your doggies have been very quiet in the last uh, few times we've chatted. Oh, isn't that hilarious? Um, normally at this time of night they are um, definitely like sometimes they'll just take themselves to bed as well. Um, so this is definitely on the wind down. Uh, if it was this time of the morning they would be um, crazy and sometimes if we don't get up quickly enough to yep. sort of get them out of the house in the morning, Wild will just howl. Like I feel so bad for our neighbours um, because he will just like howl for as long as it takes to get what? his own way. I saw a photo the other day. Wild is seriously massive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. remind me of the Game of Thrones dog, you know? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, like this 40 kilo um, like wolf oh. and he hasn't stopped growing yet. Um oh I know. He's so beautiful. Um, well, they say teenage boys will eat you out of house and home, but I think you've got a dog that's going to do the same. Oh, man, we do not have private school fees, but we have definitely <laughs> got two very expensive dogs uh, <laughs> who have very particular diets. And um, But anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way, obviously. <laughs> oh, all right, sorry. Well, your house has a lot of testosterone then. You've got three, three, three men in your house. Yeah, d- well, it's sort of only two and a half. Loki has been desexed, but while hasn't um so i don't know if that counts but he is certainly the boss like loki is the boss of everybody so yes there's there's a lot of testosterone in my household and i feel like maybe that's why i'm so obsessed with women's health to um counteract that uh the the effects of that get some balance in the yin yang there yep all right so ladies on that note you have been listening to wellness women radio thank you for tuning in with us again uh i'm dr andrea huddleston this is dr ashley bond we are raising the bar for women's health and until next week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives whilst the wellness couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional you should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the wellness couch podcasts